Praise the Lord this morning. You know what? I don't think I even need to preach. I think we've heard plenty of gospel message this morning. Amen. Wonderful singing. Wonderful singing. I'm just joking. I'm going to preach this morning. Uh, but Luke chapter 2. Bear with me. Um, I might cough a little bit. So if I do, I'm not contagious, I promise. But uh, it's just that cold, is it's hanging on there a little bit. So I might have a few coughs in there. But uh, we were just looked at Luke chapter 2. And uh, if you look at the account of Luke chapter 2 and you just consider all that had gone into that, God's perfect plan of salvation, all that God had put into that. And you know what? We all like good mysteries, don't we? I don't know about you, but I like a good mystery. You know, who did it? Uh, You know, who, what are the details of it? And today, 
we're going to take a look at all the details that make up the picture of the birth of Christ. Now, don't worry, we're not going to be here for hours, I promise. But I want to paint a complete picture for you, and that's going to bring us to the end of the message. You've got to pay attention to the very, very end this morning. Uh, because the probabilities of all these things being true of one person, we're going to look at those things. And we're going to use some simple deductive tools, which we are all familiar with. If you uh, have been in uh, English class, maybe you remember back to your English days, uh, you know the questions, who, when, where, how, and why? And they help us tell us something about what we're trying to describe. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So, uh, I've been putting verses up for the last couple of weeks. Uh, so, we're going to do something a little bit different today. You all are going to help me with the message this morning. Uh, so, we have a good number of verses, uh, but we are going to split down the middle, okay? So there's going to be a side over here and there's going to be a side over here. Uh, I'm going to have this side over here read some of the verses. I'm going to have this side read some of the verses, okay? Uh, especially when on the first point here, we're going to have two verses from the Old Testament. I'll let you all let you all know. They'll all be up on the screen, but I'll let you know which one to turn to and I'll let you know which one to turn to. As a pastor, why are you doing that? So we're not here for an hour and a half, okay? But I want us to look at these verses, and I want us to be engaged in it this morning. So the first, the promise of who? The promise of who? We just read about Christ, but what was the promise? Who was to be born? What was the purpose? So the first slide, Levi, if you could. So Psalm 45, I'm going to have this side over here, do Psalm 45, 7 through 8. This side, if you could do Isaiah 61 and verse number 1, Psalm 45, verses 7 and 8, and Isaiah 61, verse number 1, then I will read the New Testament verses, okay? They're up there for you to write down if you'd like to, but I'm going to read those. So just like we've been doing the last couple of weeks, we're going to look at the Old Testament promise, and then we're going to look at how and when it was fulfilled in the New Testament. Uh, and we're going to go take some steps to this. So let's look at who this morning. First, the Messiah. The Messiah means anointed one, chosen one. Uh, and so G was Jesus that Messiah? What were the promises concerning the Messiah? Uh, okay, so we're going to start in Psalm 45, verses 7 through 8. Y'all this side ready over here? Okay. Psalm 45, verses 7 through 8. Begin. All right, Isaiah 61, verse number 1, right over here. Begin. Wonderful. I'm sorry, they're a little louder over here. It's okay. They have a few more people. But these are wonderful promises. The anointed with the oil of gladness. And then we see here that hath and the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. So this is a pro the, both of these are prophecies concerning the Messiah, who is the, simply the anointed one. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ. Christ is the Greek form of Messiah, 
the Lord. In Luke 4, verses 21 and 22, and he began to say to them, This day, now we looked at Isaiah 61, 1, and he read this scripture, verse 1 and verse 2. And Jesus, later on, when he was reading in Nazareth in the synagogue, and he began to say to them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Not only in his birth was it proclaimed that he was the Messiah, but he himself proclaimed that he was the Messiah. The fulfillment of Isaiah 61, 1, Psalm 45, is in Jesus Christ. Like, okay, so not only was he the Messiah, but also Emmanuel. Next slide, please, Emmanuel. And uh, there is only one verse here, but we're going to go over here. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. Isaiah 7 and verse number 14. Uh, That will be this side over here. Emmanuel, God with us. And that was the promise in Matthew 1 that you'll call his name Emmanuel. And that is a fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. (coughs) Meaning God with us. God, Jesus Christ being 100% God and 100% man. He was not just a good man. He was not just a prophet. Though he was a prophet, he was 100% God, 100% man. We call that the hypostatic union. Uh, In that, and I said, well, that 100%, 100% doesn't make 200%. No, uh, but it makes one Christ, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, 100% God. And I said, well, how is that possible? It is miraculous. Everything about Christmas is miraculous. Amen. It's not something that man could ever do. And all of these promises that were foretold hundreds and sometimes thousands of years before his birth, no man could have predicted that all of these would be, or all of the, no one person could make themselves to fit all of these things, miraculous things. Isaiah 7.14, begin. And Matthew 1, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen. On Christmas morning, Jesus was born, and at that moment, God was with us. Now, God is still with us today, amen? And Jesus Christ is alive. We have the Holy Spirit of God if we're saved here this morning. But what a promise, what a fulfillment in that time. This is who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is Emmanuel. But not only that, he is King of Israel. Isaiah 9, 6. This side over here, Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. <coughs> and 7, sorry, not chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Excuse me. 6 and 7 this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and, se- not 6 and 7. Now, this is a review from two weeks ago that Jesus had the kingly right to sit on the throne of David uh, since he was of the lineage of David through both his mother and father, uh, but also to sit on the throne of heaven as being the very Son of God. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6 and 7 begin.
Amen. So where was this fulfilled? In Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, his, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then Matthew 2, 1 through 3. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod and the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of people together, he demanded of, of them where Christ should be born. So what were they looking for? Who is that is born king of the Jews? He is king. He is Messiah. He is Emmanuel. And he is king. Amen. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is our king this morning. Okay, so now we see the promise of who. But what about the promise of when? The promise of when? So let's look at Genesis chapter 49 and verse number 10. Genesis 49 verse number 10. <clears throat> and that's going to be for this side over here. And uh, we know that God's timing is perfect, isn't it? You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, maybe this could have been timed a little bit better. Can I just tell you something? God's plans are always perfect. God's timing is always perfect. God is always on time. The only timing who's wrong is ours. We need to make sure that we align our thinking with the timing of God's timing, the thinking of God's thinking. And Jesus was born not late, not early, but right on time. And we have an indication of when Christ was to be born in the Old Testament. Uh, in Genesis 49 in verse number 10. All right, I think you're all over there. Genesis 49, 10, begin. So this is interesting, and it's okay, this is Genesis 49, so this is a long time before the birth of Christ, but this is true that there was always a king of Judah all the way down from the time of David, all the way down, part of the Davidic covenant, all the way down through the intertestamental period even, there was someone of the Judean lineage on the throne of Judah. Until, it says here, until Shiloh come. This is another name for the Messiah, another name for Jesus. And it says here in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from east to Jerusalem. Was, okay, he was king. What was so important about that? Herod the Great was an Edomite. He was not a Jew, of the tribe of Judah. He wasn't even a Jew. He was a Jew, but he was an Arab. He was of the, of the descendants of the Edomites. And so he was the first king not to be of Judean descent. And that was the timing of when Shiloh would come, when Jesus came. Now, did, we, did they know that at the time? But there were many of these prophecies. They were mysterious until they were fulfilled. So we have an indication of when, of when Jesus was come. And even during the intertestamental period, after King Zedekiah, who was taken into Babylon, four more leaders set up by occupying countries came from the tribe of Judah. And Herod, was the, Herod the Great was the first non-Judean leader of the nation. 
So that was just, that's an interesting thought. That's okay, so let's think about that for a moment. The third, the promise of where? First, where was he born? We know Jesus was born in Bethlehem and also that he lived in Nazareth. But first, let's look at being born in Bethlehem. <coughs> Next slide, please. Micah 5.2, this side over here, Micah 5.2, uh, and this is a verse we know very, very well about Bethlehem. Bethlehem was, of course, the city of David, where David was born, where David was raised, where David raised uh, and watched those sheep out in the sheep fields, uh, and where God taught him many wonderful lessons. And this is where the Messiah is to be born. In Matthew, or I'm sorry, Micah, chapter 5, and verse number 2, Begin. And then when those wise men came to Herod and asked where the king of the Jews was to be born, what did he do? In verse number 4 of Matthew chapter 2, when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes together of the people, of, of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Verse number 5, and they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, this, what prophet? Micah. Verse 6, And thou, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And of course we know that Herod sent the, uh, the wise men to find out, to seek out the Lord Jesus Christ, not so that he might worship him like he claimed, but so that he could eliminate him, which was very common among the Arab nations that when someone was to be born, was to be an heir, uh, that you would take out the competition. That's exactly what Herod tried to do. And something known as the slaughter of the innocents, he ordered every boy from two years old and under to be slaughtered in uh, Bethlehem and in Israel. What a terrible thing. But in all of this, what was fulfilled? That he was to be born in Bethlehem. And this is the amazing thing. Herod knew it was, he was the Christ knew what the Messiah was come. But yet, the devil used him to try and destroy. Even from the very beginning, the devil was upset about what Christ was here to do. But not only that, he lived in Nazareth. So the next slide, please. Isaiah 11, verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 1, that he lived in Nazareth. <coughs> and this is verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2. Uh, in Matthew 2.23, it gives us an indication uh, that he shall come from Nazareth and be called a Nazarene. Now, a lot of people uh, look at that is that, that a Nazarene means a Nazarite. No, Nazarite was something different, uh, and but we see that he was called a Nazarene. So, Isaiah 11, verse number 1 and verse 2, begin. In Matthew 2.23, and he came and dwelled in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now we look at this, okay, pastor, you're kind of stretching this a little bit, is there any connection? Well, it's interesting, the word Nazareth comes from the Jewish, the Hebrew word Netzer, which means branch, or many branches. And so he lived in that city, and that's what it says, a branch shall come out of 
Jesse. And this was a prophecy concerning Christ. Now, not only that, two more to go. The promise of how. How was this going to come about? And in Genesis 3.15, so let's actually all turn there together. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. We'll read this all aloud together. The promise of God, Genesis 3.15, is known as the Proto-Evangelium, the first mention of the gospel. This was after the fall in the garden, and God was proclaiming curses upon the serpent and the man and the woman. But when talking to Eve, he mentioned to her, gave the promise that one day, one day, One of her children would defeat the devil in his plan, and that was Christ. And in Genesis 3.15, we're all there. Let's all begin to read uh, together. Genesis 3.15, begin. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. In Luke 1.34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Verse 35, And the angel answered, said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. How did this all happen? Was this all a man-made story? Was this all a man-made account? Was this all just an elaborate plan, an elaborate hoax? Is this really real? Only by the power of God, all of these things will come to pass. By God's Holy Spirit, as we see here, that the Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. But that brings us all the way down to this. Okay, I see who he was and when and where and how, but why? Why? Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? Let's look at Isaiah 53, 7. Isaiah 53, 7 this morning, uh, down through verse number 9. Sorry, verse number 11. Isaiah 53, verse 7, down through verse number 11 this morning. And if both sides could turn there, this will be the last passage that y'all need to turn to this morning. Isaiah 53 and verse number 7, down through verse number 11. Easy to remember, 7-11, right? All right, Isaiah 53, y'all can, both sides can read together. Isaiah 53, 7 through 11, begin. This answers the question of why. Jesus came for one purpose, 
to seek and to save that which was lost. But how is he to save them? By dying on the cross for the sins of mankind. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The greatest gift that mankind has ever been given is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. It is a gift that we are entrusted with as his people. As it says here in Isaiah, that shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus came to minister, not to be ministered unto. And we see that he came to teach and to heal the sick, but he also, the main reason he came was to save mankind from their sin. For all of sin that comes from the glory of God. Let's look back at Luke chapter 2 this morning, Luke chapter 2, and we see in his birth, and we see a great rejoicing. For mankind had looked up into this particular point in history, and that Abraham and Noah and Elijah and Elisha had died in faith in the coming Christ, knowing he hadn't come yet, but knowing that he would come. But now the long-awaited promised one, the long-awaited Christ had come. Now we look at this. Now did the king of the land welcome this news? No, he did not. Did even the scribes and the Pharisees and all those religious leaders, did they welcome his coming? No, they did not. But, but wise men from the east, <coughs> those that were, and other pastors said that they were kings, uh, they were wise men, kings possibly, uh, in the description there, but they came from afar, of the Gentiles, to come and to what? They brought gold and frankincense and myrrh, and they brought the uh, gold being for his kingship, and frankincense and myrrh are used in burial. And we see that they brought these things to bring worship, knowing he was the very Son of God. The Messiah. Isn't it interesting that Israel and the ones that were chosen to be told this great message are the humblest of the humble. Shepherds are, being a shepherd in Israel is not a, uh, a very good uh, career position, if you will. Uh, even of the Bedouins today, it is something that doesn't pay very much. Uh, but it's something that must be done. These were the lowest class people. Uh, if you couldn't do anything else, you could go be a shepherd. Okay, uh, that was the type of uh, the way people viewed them. Many times they were uh, demeaned. Even they, you see that with David's brothers to go and watch those few sheep in the wilderness. You don't have a very important job, but you know what? It is also interesting knowing that David was a shepherd, King David, that God chose to bring the message first to the shepherds. And we see as we go down into chapter 2 and verse number 8, verse number 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid." And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Aren't they good tidings? Amen. Good tidings that we can be saved, that Christ came, which shall be to all people, not just some, but to all. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, 
which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. He shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass that the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which came to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Verse 17 is an important verse. Because as followers of Christ, it is our job to spread the message of the gospel to a lost and a dying world. As we see this morning, we've seen so many promises, so many aspects. And over the last three weeks, we have seen so many promises concerning Christ and concerning his coming. I hope that it strengthened your faith. I know we all know we came, but now that we see the complete picture, it makes it all the more amazing. It makes it all the more miraculous. And I want to encourage you this year and in the new year that we would be as those shepherds, that we would stand in awe every day that Christ came and that Christ died for us and that Christ saved us and that we would share that with others. Now, the probability, there's a problem here uh, that we can put this down to at this time in Judea. So can I have the next slide, please? So there are roughly 31 prophecies concerning one man, that being Christ, out of an estimated 250 million people alive at that time. At the birth of Christ, that was the estimated population of the world. It might be a little low, but it could be higher. Now, the higher the number, the higher the probability. So, 31 prophecies out of 250 million people, about one person, and they all being correct. The probability, if we do all the math, I know I didn't do the math, someone else did, but let's see what the math is. What is the probability? One out of 2.54 times 10 to the 28th power. Okay, what does that mean? Now, if you take a dime, a dime about, you know, three quarters of an inch wide. So this is how you would need to get to that number. So if you took the planet Earth and you hollowed it out and you filled it with dimes, you would have to fill that 10 times to get to this number. And the likelihood, and so let's just say out of all of those, so you have 10 planet Earth-sized hollow containers, if we could do that, which we can't. Let's say we could, and we had as many dimes that filled all of those things. Now let's paint one of those dimes red, just one of those dimes red, and put it in that pile, and that someone blindfolded would pick up that, would randomly pick up that dime the first time. I said, Pastor, that's completely impossible. It is. So that's what people say. Well, it's just all a big coincidence. All of these promises, all of these prophecies. By the way, not that no one doubts these prophecies are true. The Jews don't doubt that they are not true. They know that they're, they're still looking for the Messiah, even though Messiah came. They rejected their Messiah. But that's why we need to tell them of Jesus Christ, 
the Messiah. Well, you see, that's what Paul did. He would go and preach and reason with them concerning who? Jesus, the Christ. What do we see? The Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip went and preached unto him what? We see that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading in Isaiah. Does the, does the prophet talk of himself or someone else? <coughs> what did Philip t- preach to him? Jesus Christ. When on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus was walking with them, and they were talking of all these things, and he admonished them for not having faith, and then what did he do? He preached, taught them Moses and what? The prophets. All the way through, of all the probabilities, think about that. Ten earths filled with dimes, and someone blindfolded, picking out that red dime the first time. That's the probability of it all being some cosmic accident. It is a miracle of God. So this morning, let's meditate on that. The miracle of Christ's birth. There's no way that anyone could fake it. There's no way that we could, no man could create it. It was all done. This is just concerning his birth. If we go to all the other prophecies concerning Christ, that number goes way up. So this morning, we're not going to have an invitation time this morning, but we are going to close in prayer but will we consider Christ? Will we consider all of these promises? Will we consider the fullness of all that Christ God has given to us in his word? And will we consider and stand in awe of how miraculous the birth of Christ was and how the great message of joy, amen. Christ brings joy at Christmas time, amen. I know a lot of, we hopefully you got gifts this morning. Right, some of you did, and you guys, those are exciting things. But the greatest joy in all of Christmas is Christ. And this morning, if you're not saved, there'll be no greater day to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior than on Christmas Day. Amen. To accept that gift of salvation, to accept the forgiveness of sin. If you haven't done that, I'll be available after the service. But I want to thank you all for being here this morning, and so we'll pray and dismiss. This morning, let's pray together. Dearly Father, we thank you. We stand in awe. We stand in awe of all the different pieces, all the different prophecies coming together into one person, Jesus Christ. 100% God, 100% man. He made himself of no reputation. Oh Lord, we're so thankful that he came and that he lived and Lord that he followed the command of almighty Jehovah God and died upon that cross and shed his blood to be a ransom for many thank you for saving me thank you for saving so many here today and Lord I pray if any here today or listening online that they're hearing this message that they've never accepted your gift of salvation. Maybe they had doubts of whether Jesus was really the Christ. I pray that all doubts are assuaged, that your word has given us complete confidence. I pray, Lord, that you would bless as we go our separate ways today. I pray that you keep us safe. Be with those that are feeling ill and not feeling the best today. We pray your blessing and we pray for your protection. Lead us through the rest of this new year. Bring us back together tonight as well. In Jesus' name. Amen.